Well, hello, Hillside. I love that song. That is one of my favorite songs. That's my hope for my life. Hopefully, it's the hope for your life that we would build our lives on Jesus. Well, Pastor Jonathan, he brought us into the month of June by asking us a question. The question that he asked was, who are we becoming as people of God? And I think that's one of the greatest questions we can ask in life. It's the question of who am I becoming? The other way to maybe ask this question is on this planet. I'm going to give you a startling statistic. Startling. Get ready. 100% of people have asked or are asking this question of what is my purpose? The good news is I believe that God has actually revealed an answer to us in his word. And we're going to look at that today. When I was a little Stephen, I'm a big Stephen now, but when I was a little Stephen, we were living in Mount Prospect, Illinois, and one day we went to our favorite store, Target, or Target. And we went to the store and we got out of the car. I have a brother named Tyler. I have another brother named Ben. But this was Tyler and I. We got in the store. We got into Target. And Tyler and I, we ditched our parents and we started wandering through Target. Not because we were playing hide and seek with them. The hand over her heart, she goes, huh, bless you, child. I sure do. And Tyler said, then you're going to heaven. And I said, amen. And that's what we did. We walked around Target. We would find people. we go, do you believe in Jesus? Tyler would ask, do you believe in Jesus? And then they would say, why, yes I do. And then Tyler would go, then you're going to heaven. And I would say, Amen. no one's gonna say no to a little Stephen and a little Tyler. But could you imagine what would happen if that actually did happen? Tyler and I, we go up to a guy, he's an atheist. We don't know that, but we ask, hey, do you believe in Jesus? The guy turns around and goes, why, no I don't. I believe that when I die, I will become a tree and give life back to this earth. And Tyler would go, so we won't see you in heaven? And then I would say, amen. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of people think this is what it's like to believe in Jesus. Not that you will become a tree when you die. But that life's purpose is waiting around to get into heaven. But when we believe in Jesus, God reveals he is up to something more in our lives than just waiting to go to heaven. When we believe in Jesus, God reveals that he actually wants something to happen in our life on earth because of our belief. This is why belief in Jesus is so life-changing. Life change or finding purpose hardly happens when we wait around. It happens when our belief becomes our lifestyle. So think about it this way. When you believe in Jesus, when we believe in Jesus, for the rest of our lives, God sets us on a path of discovering who we are meant to become. And this is where I think people get it wrong. We hear about this process of becoming, and I think a lot of people start to go, well, I'm becoming something. That's my purpose, it's to become something. So we think, if I just get that fancy title, if I just get that fancy title, then I will have purpose. 
If I score that job with the mega paycheck, then I will have value. If I have lots of likes and fans on social media, then I will feel like I matter. And what happens is status becomes the measure of spiritual success for a lot of people. And when this happens, we miss what God is trying to reveal. God isn't calling us to become something to gain a status. He is calling us to become like someone. We will find way more satisfaction in life when our greatest joy is our salvation and not our earthly status. Thank you. So really, when we ask God this question, what is my purpose? Who am I becoming? God's answer is when you believe in Jesus, you are becoming like Jesus. So at Hillside, we've been asking the question, who are we becoming? And we believe here at Hillside, the answer that our world desperately needs the most is that you are called to become like Jesus. That is God's answer over our lives. Well, that's great, Stephen, but what does that mean? What, what, what do I do with that? Well, here's what it means. First of all, it means that God has a desire for your life. God has something that he wants for you. He wants the best for you. A follower of Jesus becoming more like Jesus is God's brilliant idea to put more of his goodness back into the world. That's what we're going to be doing as Christians. We're putting more of God's goodness back into our world. God wants to take you and give you his characteristics. He wants you to become godly. So the Bible says who God is. The Bible says that God is loving and that God is joyful and that God is peaceful and God is patient and God is kind and God is generous and God is faithful. The Bible tells us that God is self-controlled and God is gentle. And we call these the fruits of the Spirit. And we are called to bear these fruits of the Spirit in our life. Because in these characteristics, we see a perfect picture of Jesus. And so if you're going to become like Jesus, it means to be filled with love, to be filled with joy, to be filled with peace, and to be filled with kindness and all of those other qualities. This is what God wants for you. The Bible actually compares becoming like Jesus to a running a race. And this is the race that is set before us as believers. A couple of years ago, I was watching the NFL Combine. It's the big event that happens for college players going into the NFL. They go through an event training and skills testing. And the company Adidas put out this, this bet to all of the guys participating in the event. They said that if someone broke the record for the 40-yard dash, which is 4.24 seconds, Adidas said, we will buy that person an island. And I heard that and I was like, where are my super cleats? I need to get into this thing. But that's not how life works. Life isn't a 40-yard dash that if you do it fast enough, you'll get an island. Life is a marathon to an eternal destination. And hey, in heaven, you might be able to have your very own island. I don't know, but that would be really awesome. 
What I do know is that we are running a race in this life. And the goal is to become the man that God has called you to be. And the goal is to become the woman that God has called you to be. That's our goal. In uh, 2015, I was living in Salina, Kansas. And we entered into 2015. And I made a New Year's resolution. My resolution was I wanted to be more active in my life. And I remember I was at a staff meeting, and we went around in staff meeting, and we shared our resolutions for the year. And I was dumb enough to share that one. Here's, here's the rule. New Year's resolutions rule number one is that you don't share them with anyone because then people think you're giving them permission to keep you accountable. <laughs> so I shared that I wanted to be more active in my life. A week later, our worship pastor in between services at church, he came up to me and he said, Stephen, I am running a half marathon in May and you said that you wanted to be more active in your life. Do you want to run it with me? And I looked at him and I go, how many miles is that? <laughs> if that doesn't show you where, gosh dang it, okay. He goes, it's 13.1 why can't it be 13? No, it's 13.1. I said, well, okay, uh, are you going to be running it with me? And no joke, he looked me up and down and he said, I'm probably going to be an hour ahead of you. So I don't think I will be running it with you. Well, that made me feel great. So I just said, I said, I'll do it because I was under obligation. I couldn't back out of it. So I said, okay, I'm in. And all of a sudden, I found myself in a race set before me. And this morning, I want to share with you four skills that I learned preparing for my race that I believe can help us run the race God has planned for us to become more like Jesus. Whether you aren't sure about Jesus or you are a marathon machine for him, these skills can lead you one step closer. So here we go. Are you ready to lace up and go for a run? <laughs> I've always, I like saying stuff like that that ties into all. Okay. <laughs> skill number one. Skill number one. Simplify your life. Simplify your life. Hebrews 12.1. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. So I left church that Sunday in a uh, verbal commitment to do a half marathon. And I get in my car, and you know how people treat their cars like it's the fortress of solitude or a cone of silence? It's like, this is my space. Anything that happens in here, nobody else gets to see. So I get in my car, I look up at the roof of the car, and I go, I'm going to die. This, this is it. I don't know why I committed to running this half marathon. And that was my mindset for two days that this thing was going to kill me. But I couldn't back out of it because our worship leader would never let me. So I became the most reluctant half marathon runner in all of Kansas. But I started my search to figure out how I was gonna survive this race that was set before me. What I did is I actually downloaded a running app. I created a running plan. I sent out some messages to other fitness people and other runners in my life. And the message that I got everywhere was, you need to simplify. Stephen, you are fixing your eyes on 13.1 miles. 
How about you just focus on getting to run one? Simplify. Simplify. And that's what I started to do. I started cleaning up my schedule to make training a priority. I started getting rid of unnecessary eating habits. I cut out late night TV watching so I could run in the evenings and then wake up and run again in the mornings. I gave myself a simple goal. All I wanted to do, this was all I wanted to do, was I wanted to finish running the race the entire way. I wanted to just run the entire thing, no walking. If we're going to become more like Jesus, the first thing we have got to do is we have got to simplify. So when it comes to the direction of your life, let me ask a simple question. Do you trust God to guide you? where you are going as much as you trust your GPS? Do you believe that God knows every mile of the marathon he has you running in your life? Well, we're here at church, so of course, yes, I trust God as much as I trust my GPS. Yeah, right on. But when we leave church, well, I can hear my GPS talking to me. And I don't hear God giving me turn by turns. What's going to happen? Do you know on average, and this is, this, is, this is what I'm paid to know, this information for you guys, okay? On average, millennials and Generation Z spend 91 hours a week on screens. That's time devoted to TV shows, video games, social media, and yes, a GPS. 91 hours out of our 168-hour week is devoted to screens. I also did some more math. Do you want to know the percentage? That's 54% of your week devoted to that. Now add in a job, the hunt for friendships, going to events and trying to sleep, and most of our lives are feeling pretty crammed. God intended for us to be running free, but most people are way too distracted by their stuff and their schedules that they don't have time to run free with God. So maybe that means we are paying attention to the wrong things. When Jesus was on earth, he made a dramatic appearance in the life of Peter. Uh, Peter was just getting done with his night shift as a fisherman, and he was rowing back to shore, and his boat was empty, which is not a good sign if you're a fisherman. That's your livelihood. Peter essentially had failed. He didn't do his job. Funny enough, though, that was a good thing, because what ended, what ended up happening is that Jesus used Peter's boat, his empty boat, as a stage for preaching. And this is what happens when we simplify in our lives. It empties our boats so Jesus has somewhere to sit. The task of emptying the boat is hard. We have a whole show called Hoarders. We like to collect stuff. We like to put stuff in our boats. We like the comforts. We like all of it just to be in the boat. And what happens is it's hard to let those things go. But when we do, Jesus promises he will always make it worth it. And this is what the writer of Hebrews is trying to get us to see as well. The writer says to strip off every weight that holds us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. 
Look, you can't run a marathon in a parka. And you won't be able to run the race God has for you, burdened by your past guilts and present worries. Simplify. When we move on from our burdens, we create space for Jesus to move in. So I was thinking about it this week. When I, when I was getting ready for my half marathon, I just gave myself one goal. Finish the race running the entire way. Everything became about making that goal happen. Maybe some of us. It's been a long time since we let Jesus have a prominent spot in our boats. And maybe some of us, what we need to do this week is we just need to look at Jesus and go, Jesus, what is your goal for my life? Jesus, I believe in you, so I will build my foundation on who you are and what you're doing. What do you want me to be doing? Maybe they give you the most joy and you just start doing a lot of that. Maybe that's it. But Jesus' goal is not to guilt us, it's not to confuse us, and it's not to trip us up. His goal is to set us free. Jesus wants to help you simplify your life, and it starts by taking inventory of all of the things in our life. Start to let go of the things that are robbing you of your trust in God, and start running after the things that make you happy. You know Jesus. That's the first skill. Simplify your life. Here's the second. Don't get impatient or in a hurry. Pace yourself. Pace yourself. Hebrews 12.1 says, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. So I created a simple goal in my mind, finish running the race the entire way. And with that goal, I started my training for the half marathon. Probably the furthest I had ever run in my life before this was like a mile and a half. So I'm going, how the heck am I going to do 13.1 miles? I still couldn't wrap my head around it. But as I started going, I got really excited that all of a sudden in my life, I was becoming something I never thought Stephen Weissong would become. And that was a runner. I was a forward in basketball. I'm not a long distance runner, but all of a sudden, that's what I could be. When I started running, I couldn't even make it around the block without my side cramping. After my first run, I walked into the office of our worship pastor and I said I was quitting, I was done. And he goes, Stephen, close the door. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've offended him, okay. So I close the door, sit down, and he goes, all you have to do is pace yourself. I don't even know how to do that. He said, just pace yourself. He goes, you've already done a run for the marathon, right? You've already started training? I said, yeah. He said, then keep going because you're already a runner. When we believe in Jesus, Jesus is going, keep going. You're a believer. You're a follower of me. Keep going. So I kept going. I started to map out in my mind where I was running so I could better track my miles. One night I was running around this park that I really liked to run around, it was near my house. I'm running around the park, it's the evening time, and I look at my phone and I see that I'm at four and a half miles. And in my mind I was like, I'm gonna hit five. And I'm running, and all of a sudden, the song that I'm listening to in my headphones comes on, and the chorus of the song was, how bad do you want it? So I'm running out in this park. I do weird things in public, but I'm running out in this park, and I start yelling, I want it! I want it bad! 
And when I hit the five mile mark, I danced. I won't dance for you today. But all of a sudden what started happening is I started to hit all sorts of other milestones. I hit the six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, and 13.1 mile marks. Before the half marathon even officially started, I probably ran it a bunch of times. What was happening? Well, the more I ran, the more endurance I built up, and the further I could go. A marathon is a long distance run. I never sprinted to start a run. I learned how to pace myself so I could keep going. And the better I settled into my pace, the easier it was to run. And the same is true for us as we chase our calling to become like Jesus. This race that we're in as Christians is going to take our entire lives. The question you have to ask yourself is, how bad do you want to become like Jesus? How bad do you want to live into your calling? How bad do you want it? Do you have the endurance to run the race? We live in the era of Amazon Prime, which means we get stuff in one to two days. With just a click of the button, stuff just shows up at our doorsteps. We don't even have to leave the couch. There's no endurance training for this. This is luxury, and so we get what we want when we want it. And a lot of us, we live in this world where we just wish, we just wish that with the snap of our fingers or a click of the button, we could get that dream job. We just wait, a while, wait around for this dream job. That we just wish that we could meet that forever person. We just wish that we could lose those 50 pounds. We just wish that we could have that extravagant life that's always being advertised to us. Have you ever asked someone if they like instant coffee? They'll tell you it's gross, but it was available in a rush. Don't rush through life wishing for someone else's life. Don't rush. Don't be in a hurry. The best things in life take time. So don't get impatient. Don't get worried. God is always working, even if you can't see it. What are you going to do as you go through life if you get worried, you get stressed out? What's going to happen? You're not going to go anywhere. If you rush through life, it's hard to see the finish line. Did you know that a mushroom takes four days to grow? And it takes an oak tree 60 years to grow? Do you want to be a mushroom or an oak tree? <laughs> you got to pace yourself. Remember, God is not impatient with you. God spells growth. God spells maturity. T-I-M-E. If you want to go big places in life, it takes small steps to get there. Don't get impatient or in a hurry. Pace yourself. Our champion Jesus has already won the victory because of the cross. So as we start this race of life, we aren't running for victory. We start out of the starting blocks of victory. And you gotta learn to walk before you can run. It's okay, it's all about pace. Your best is ahead of you. Here's the third skill. When the going gets tough, Remember the reward. 
Uh, here's what Hebrews 12, 2 through 3 says. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. This is awesome. This is great. Something that I learned in preparing for my half marathon was that the shoes you wear matter. I learned this the hard way. I was wearing Nikes. Not to diss Nikes, but that's what I was wearing. And after a couple times of running five miles, I started to notice that these shoes didn't have the support I needed to be able to run further distances. I would run and I would get all this pain in my legs and in my back and I'd get home and I would be going, this is terrible. So I went into the worship pastor's office and I said, I'm done. <laughs> he goes, why? He said, I said, I have so much pain in my life. He said, Stephen, go get new shoes. I never even thought about that. So what I did is I went to a legit running store, and they got me in, and they put me on this treadmill, and I was running on the treadmill. And they filmed how I was taking each stride. It was pretty cool. They got this little video screen afterwards, and they said, you see how your foot's going here and then? I was like, yeah, okay, I don't like this angle of myself, but yeah, I see what you're saying. <laughs> and they go, you need these shoes. And so I bought those shoes, and those shoes carried me towards the reward. So just how in running, shoes matter. In the race set before us, your perspective matters. We've all heard the line, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Well, today I want to tell you, when the going gets tough, remember the reward. It's in the tension, the hard times, the pain that we have to remember our reward. The writer of Hebrews tells us to keep our eyes on Jesus. God wants you to become like Jesus. It's his highest goal. So that means if God is going to make you like Jesus, he is going to take you through everything Jesus went through. And there were times when Jesus was lonely, when Jesus was criticized, when Jesus was betrayed. Does that relate to anybody? There was times when Jesus was fatigued and he had to keep going. There was times when Jesus was misunderstood. If God did not spare his own son from those things, why do we think he would spare us? He doesn't. Becoming like Jesus a lot of the time is built in the tension, the conflict, and the storm. The race of life is not flat ground. It's peaks and valleys. And God knows this, so he's outfitted us with the proper shoes for the race. He gives us his promise of never leaving or forsaking us. He gives us his words. He put them on display of how much he loves us with the cross. Our perspective matters. And when the going gets tough, remember God is making you more like Jesus. The writer of Hebrews says that for the joy awaiting him, Jesus endured the cross. Have you ever read that verse and you've gone, what? That's, that's interesting. Why would Jesus want to have joy with, with the cross? What, what's going on? Well, Jesus wasn't having joy that he was going to the cross. His joy came from what was going to go beyond the cross. It's us. You and I are the joy that was awaiting Jesus. 
I like to tell people, I like to tell students, and they think this is weird that I say this, but I like to say, Jesus has the biggest crush on you. He is crazy about you. And the cross says it all. The joy that was awaiting Jesus, the thing that was worth going to the cross for, was the freedom you can experience in a forever relationship with him. God never promises that there won't be problems in life. What he does promise is that he will be with us in the midst of those problems. So think about it this way. We have short-term problems on earth for long-term glory in heaven. And when the going gets tough, remember the reward. God is using every circumstance and situation for you to become more like Jesus. God has given us the perfect running shoes to make it through the race. He sent his son to be our example. All we got to do is follow after him. So that's the third skill. The fourth skill is this. Realize that God always finishes what he starts. In my own life, I start a lot of things. I don't finish all the things that I started, but what I learned as I was running my race, as I was preparing for the half marathon, is I started going, no, I'm going to finish this thing. I'm going to finish this thing. Philippians 1.6 says this, I am sure that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on that day when Christ Jesus returns. We start a lot of things in our lives. We don't finish all of them. Aren't you glad that God is different? What he has started in you, he will finish one day. God has set a race before your life, and it is only a race that you can run. Your mom can't run it. Your dad can't run it. Your significant other can't run it. Somebody else can't run your race, and you can't run somebody else's race. You have a particular race set before you that God wants you to run in your life. And everybody else has a race that God wants them to run. Here's the issue we come up against, though. Everybody wants you to run their race. I mean, doesn't it seem like that sometimes, that everybody else has a plan for your life? It's in the way they look at you. Like you're talking about your life. How old are you? Weren't you supposed to get here at this point? What's wrong? What's going on? Weren't weren't you supposed to have that thing at this point? And all of a sudden you start going, oh my gosh, I didn't measure up. I failed. I don't know what's going on. That's what's going on, I think, with a lot of people in our world, is they think everybody else has a race for them to run, and we're going crazy trying to run everybody else's race, and it leaves us going, well, I don't know what my purpose is now. I don't know where I'm going. I can't make anybody else happy. What is going on? So you have got to decide whose race are you going to run in life. You can run your own race in self-centered land. You can run somebody else's race in people-pleasing land. Or you can run the race God created you to run. You can't run all three. The great C.S. Lewis said, you are never too old to set another goal or dream a new dream. This sounds like it could be a Disney song. (laughs) That's why I liked it. God has a race that he has specifically created for you to run that will lead you to finding purpose and meaning on earth and it will surround you with people that are encouraging you to keep going. My humble suggestion 
is for you to maybe start setting Christ-centered goals and start dreaming God-sized dreams. If you trust God like you trust your GPS, you'll end up right where you're meant to be every time because God never fails. God has started a character transformation in your soul and he is faithful to finish what he started. Well, on May 23rd, 2015, I ran my race and I finished my race. And here's a picture, bam, 13.1 miles. Now I wanna tell you a little about this picture because if you'll notice, this is the finish line. But my eyes are not looking at the finish line. I am looking down. I was so exhausted. I have to be honest with you guys. I ran up a hill too fast and I walked once, one time. I, didn't, I don't want you to think I'm like Superman or anything. <laughs> but as I was running to the finish line, if I, was, if I looked ahead, I was going to fall over. So what I did is I just kept my eyes on my feet. And I just, in my mind, I was going, just watch your feet. You're almost there. Just keep going. You're almost there. My friends, this is what God wants for your life. God wants you to just keep focusing on your next step. We don't have the knowledge or the vision to look ahead to our finish line. Only God can do that. All God wants you to do is to keep taking steps, keep making strides, keep going. And what we don't get finished, God will. And God is going to complete the character development in your life one day. He's going to finish what he started and bring us into perfection with him and his kingdom. And the race set before you, you may have struggle, you may stumble, you may feel sidelined, but your race isn't over. We're not a fraction of who we could be, but God says, it's okay, just keep going. What we don't finish in our lifetime, God is going to finish. And that takes so much pressure off of us. All it takes is one step, one step, and you are on your way to becoming more like Jesus and finding who it is God is calling you to become. And my hope for us here at Hillside is we would run the race together. We would run it together eyes fixed together on becoming like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Holy Father, thank you so much for Jesus. He is our example of what a marathon runner in life looks like. He set his eyes on the prize. God, may we do the same in our lives. You have promised us a great reward You've given us eternal life when we believe in your son. But God, you don't want us just to wait around. You want us to be doing something in our lives. We're called to become like someone. May we run the race that you have put before us. May we focus on the finish line. May we focus on our steps, knowing that you're running with us. You have it. God, may we simplify May we pace ourselves. May we remember the reward and may we know that you'll start, you'll finish what you'll start. You're so good to us. Bless us as we go. In your awesome, awesome name, amen.